walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? That's not my mic. It's a little visual humor. For the uh, for the people watching on YouTube, so if uh, you didn't get that joke, check out the YouTube, you fucking ass. Welcome everybody to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, known in some circles as Kai Guy, and uh, boy howdy, today we're gonna spend most of our lives living in a gangster's paradise. Hold on, hold on. I got a better joke. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and man, we are, the show the show today is going to be great. I mean, it's probably it's it's. I mean, some may say it's a really coolio show. ECW Gangsta's Paradise, nineteen ninety five. This is actually a very very good show. ECW man, they, boy, they they take some swings, and they have a lot of whiffs. But every once in a while, they'll hit a a big old home run with their Singapore Canes, and uh, I would say this one was a home run for sure. Uh, got all the ECW tropes that you love to see, you love to hear about. Of course, we got the Shah is here, Hack Myers, uh, the mascot, really. Of the Apron Bump podcast. I mean, if there is one, if this show had any, you know, visual representation, any any gritty for the Apron Bump, it would be Hack Myers. Um, we got the Dudleys continuing their story, building upon uh, their little the, the kind of backstory they got going on. More Dudleys get added. Um, I, I guess Daddy Dudley just can't stop busting nuts. But um. What else we got on this show? Oh, we got the Eliminators debuting. Of course, Perry Saturn and John Cronus. Uh, big, big debut there as they face off against, oh, by the way, the Steiner Brothers. It's a very, very star, uh, star-studded star show, I would say. Also got a uh, double dog collar match for the ECW Tag Team Championships, which tag team title Matt if you've been listening to me and all my ECW shows that I've been covering which by the way if you have not done that go to apronbump.com you can find all my full episodes there all my social medias you can even go to the episodes tab at the top there select ECW and that'll bring you to all of the ECW shows that I've covered thus far starting from the very beginning 
of extreme championship wrestling all the way up till now. So go check that out or just type in ECW in the search bar. You guys know how to do things. But point is, with all the shows that I've covered, the tag team division, it's always like in the main event, too, which is weird. But it's always like a clusterfucky like who gives a fuck match that you can't really tell what's going on. But this double dog collar match between the Pitbulls and Raven and Stevie Richards is by far the best tag team title match that I've witnessed so far. Very entertaining stuff. The the storyline elements in play, the people that make run ins. It's all it's very wacky and it's very convoluted in a lot of ways, but it's it's very entertaining. And we get into that on the show. So and maybe the main takeaway of the show in, in all reality is probably which may be the best pure wrestling match that ECW has had up to this point. Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis. Whoo, man, the, the beginning of a, a legendary series of matches between those guys. And really, the when you think about it, I mean, in terms of just a grand scale, it's really the kind of cat, the catalyst for not only Lucha wrestling and ECW, but we all know WCW and Eric Bischoff kind of plucked to that concept from them, you know, taking stuff from Japan as well, but they're doing Lucha at the same time, WCW and ECW are, and then WWE would kind of kind of, you know, dip their toes in that water, so to speak, that Mexican water, uh, diarrhea. But point is, Big moment, great match, a lot of big moments in this show. Why are you still listening to me? Let's let's let's, let's get let's get into it. But first, gotta give a shout out to my guest from the Bayou. Was happy to bring on. Uh, he's from Louisiana. For anybody who's not aware, uh, Marcus from the World Elite Podcast joined me on today's episode. Had a great time with him, uh, reminiscing about some ECW. Even though n- neither of us really watched it back in the day but uh still fun nonetheless uh you can check out marcus and the rest of the world elite podcast boys wherever you listen to podcasts uh check them out on on youtube as well they do live shows on youtube as well they do a lot of great stuff talking about current wrestling old school wrestling uh topical things like best of lists and stuff like that a variety of stuff related to wrestling uh world elite podcasts uh you're you can find whatever you Whatever tickles your pickle, as I like to say and do. Um, but yeah, checked out. Check out the World Elite Pod. All their info in the in the description below. Link tree will take you to wherever you need. Let's get into it, baby. ECW, Gangsta's Paradise, 1995, with myself and Marcus from the World Elite Podcast. Beautiful thoughts, because you said you uh, you didn't really watch. The original ECW. You said you saw like the WWE ECW, but were you uh, like a watcher of ECW back in the day? Not really. I mean, I didn't start watching it till '97 when I, I was started. I was it was WCW mainly. I saw WWF every so often. I didn't really start watching more of it till '98, and then I didn't start permanently watching it till 99 like probably like three weeks before owen hart passed away is when i started permanently watching wwf and then over the years i've watched tna mm-hmm. i watch currently watch AEW now uh ring of honor i've tuned in so often but if they get their deal back i'll be currently watching that for good too but no ecw i mean i've mm-hmm. i've had friends tell me about it i've checked it out you know it was something different i think it was what like on 
Thursday or Friday nights on TNN, something like that. It was like in the late hours of the night. Right. I probably watched like two episodes, two episodes of ECW on TNN, and it was a lot different, smaller crowds and everything. But at first, it's just like it wasn't really my cup of tea. But whenever they got bankrupt and bought out, and then they did the whole invasion angle, I liked it then. But I wanted to learn more about it, but luckily yeah. when the Rise and Fall of ECW came out on DVD, I bought it, and then I got my history lesson from ECW there and saw all those great moments where when One Night Stand came on pay-per-view, I ordered it, and I watched it, and I loved it. And then the following year, I watched it again when they went head-to-head with WWE. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost – I'm a very similar um, kind of upbringing because, like, I started watching WWF – Kind of around the same time you did, like 99, like very soon before Owen died. Um, I never watched WCW or ECW growing up, but um, with this podcast, I've kind of gone back and I'm watching like WCW, ECW, WWF all chronologically throughout like the new generation era. So like mid 90s. So this is kind of the my, I'm getting familiar with ECW as well. This, this is a weird era for ECW because they're kind of recent. Um, I guess almost a year now um, after their rebranding to extreme championship wrestling from Eastern championship wrestling. So they're still like kind of looking for their identity a little bit. So it's kind of a transitionary period in a lot of ways, but this show specifically, I really enjoyed this show. I think this is one of the better shows they've had up to this point because, and we'll talk about it a little later, but I think it had one of the best matches of the year on this card plus like even like the very like like the ecw stuff like the silly violence and kind of weird segments i thought were on point and uh, we had a, a a certain debut i don't know if you can see the t-shirt but uh someone debuted here um on this show so a lot a lot of big moments on this show um we'll, we'll dig into the matches um match by match but i guess in general what, what were your thoughts on this show specifically well first and foremost like yeah the atmosphere was like different than what I've seen before, like watching it on TNN. And then when I even went back and watched the first pay-per-view on DVD, when it, when it was available on DVD, different type of atmosphere. When I first watched it, it, it was one of them shows, like it started slow, but then like near right when you got halfway through the show, it got better because I think it was like after there was about seven matches on the card, seven total matches. I think after the third match, Something like that. it got way better. And then that pay-per-view alone had some incredible moments. I remembered when they showed the little collages of awesome ECW moments back in the past from one that they did at One Night Stand, and I saw quite a bit from that night. And plus, not to mention, you talked about one particular debut. There were actually three debuts that night because two of those guys wrestled each other in their first match in ECW, or you could say yeah. in America. Yeah. No, I was I was super excited to watch that match, but before that, we got another uh, we got another barn burner on our hands. We got Tony Stetson, the Broad Street Bully, versus Bull Pain. What's your favorite Bull Pain match? <laughs> to be honest, this is the only Bull Pain match I ever seen. So can I count this one? <laughs> Same here. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I'm convinced this is the only match he ever had because I had never heard of this fella uh, before this show. Although he wasn't bad. I mean, he so if anybody, anybody listening who's not familiar with Bull Payne, uh, aesthetically, he's kind of like a blend of the Butcher and Hugh Morris a little bit. 
Um, maybe not quite as athletic, but I mean, compared to the other ECW guys on the card, I mean, I thought he was like physically, I thought he was moving around pretty well. Um, had a good look to him, I guess. Yeah, it's weird. I never heard of Bull Payne, so I wonder what he did after this. But, um, are you, um, I guess another question are, are you a hockey fan at all? Yeah, I do like hockey. Um, yeah, he had on a Flyers jersey, I think it was Brutch. Broad Street Bully. Well, one of them had a Flyers jersey on it. I think it was the Broad Street Bully. I yeah, isn't that their? Because uh, I'm not too. I'm not too familiar with hockey, but is Broad Street Bully their mascot? The uh, Flyers. I, to be honest, I couldn't even tell you because I'm not even a Flyers fan. But <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. they have weird mascot these days. I mean, they'll call they'll call themselves this, but they're yeah. portraying this. I, I swore I figured their mascot was like an eagle or something. If they're the Flyers, I figured it was like an eagle. But I will say um, one thing I gotta say: this pay, uh, I guess yeah, this was right when Paul Heyman bought the company from was it Todd Gordon? He bought the company, and he was the mm-hmm. like right. Yeah, this is shortly after. I wonder where did he get this idea of a pay per view name, Gangsters Paradise? I guess he got it from the song from Coolio because. That song did come out the same year this pay-per-view dropped in 1995. Yeah, I, I would assume I would assume it's a reference to Coolio's song. Uh, and it's kind of a tie in with the gangsters tag team of New Jack and Mustafa. Uh, Mustafa's not here on the show. We'll get into that a little bit later. But the main event has the gangsters in it. So uh, I think that's the, all the thought that went into it, honestly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but before that. So we got the Broad Street Bully versus Bull Payne. So we got Bull versus Bully. Uh, lots of brawling as per, you know, ECW. Uh, Bull Payne attacks the, the Broad Street Bully before he can even get his hockey gloves off. Very rude on his part. But yeah, we got hockey sticks. We got chairs. We got soda cans getting involved. They're fighting all over ringside, too. Oh yeah, that's that CCW thing. I'm surprised. I don't know. Did anybody grab any weapons from the crowd? I might have missed it, or I was kind of loosely paying attention to this. Not match. in that match, but a few matches later, I've seen it. And to answer your question on the mascot thing, the Flyers mascot name is Gritty, and he looks like a Muppet, like a like a hairy <laughs> Muppet. I think th- that sounds like Philly to me. It's like a furry orange creature with googly eyes and everything. Oh yeah, that's definitely. I've met a few gals from Philly that are that that fits perfectly. Um, but so we got uh, bully. They're they're smashing tables, and uh, yeah, I guess bully suplexes bull through a uh, the ringside table. And uh, Joey Styles has a line here where he says, "The amount of tables broken at an ECW show equals the amount of screw job finishes on a WCW pay per view." <laughs> yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's accurate. He's not wrong. Um, but yeah, there, it's a lot of brawling on the outside. And at some point, because these guys are kind of working pretty hard in there. This match went a lot longer than I thought it would. Uh, but they're in there. They're kicking the shit out of each other. And then there's a you both suck chant, which is uh, it's got to be demoralizing, don't you think? I agree. I mean, and shout out to the Philly fans. I mean, yeah, they're very passionate, especially those ECW fans. But you want to talk about the best wrestling fans in, in not just the United States, probably in the world. You got to give it to Chicago for that one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Philly is very, um, they're very volatile. They had a King of the Ring 95 
occurred just a few months before this. And there were a lot of ECW chants from there, which, I mean, I guess it's just uh, both it WWF sucked ass and ECW was great in steam. So was it the pay-per-view or was it an episode of Raw in Philly where they had like Tommy Dreamer and Sandman and all them in the front row, like watching the matches and even like trying to taunt the wrestlers and piss them off. It was either at King of the Ring 95 yeah. or it was a Raw episode of Raw. I think that raw you're talking about happened a little later. I'm not sure. It was definitely it was it was soonish after that. But I I, I recent I kind of recently watched King of the Ring '95, and there was definitely I didn't see Tommy Dreamer, but I very well could have missed him. I was paying too much attention to Maple, I guess. Um, but yeah. So, but eventually, Bullpain wins with a uh, like a draping front suplex. So he has like Bully his feet on the ropes. And he just drops down and like a front suplex, and that that gets him to win. It kind of, yeah, kind of like an elevated DDT type, but yeah, it was it was similar to like a suplex. Yeah, it was it was a DDT, but he fell on his face instead of just dropping down okay. backwards, I guess. But um, but yeah, good 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 opener, huh? Five stars, six stars. What do you think? Uh, I'd give it probably maybe close to a three if you want to count the fans chanting, "You both suck." <laughs> that was the highlight of the match, I think. Yeah, it's some of them same fans you would see at all them ECW shows in Philly, like like the guy in the straw cowboy hat with the Hawaiian shirt. He was always in the front row yes. at ECW shows, and then they had uh, oh many more. I couldn't I couldn't even think of. I'd have to go back and rewatch the ECW Classic to tell you. Well, I mean, also in the crowd you had a uh, sign guy Dudley, right? Yeah, and I have a question about something with this match. Uh, so, yeah, the Dudley Boys taking on Chad Austin and Donnie Allen. Now, this ain't your particular Dudley Boys for your for your listeners and subscribers listening to this. Are you thinking Dudley Boys? You're thinking Bubba Ray and Devon or even Spike Dudley? It's not even them guys. You got a guy named Dances with Dudley and Dudley Dudley. Like, what kind of names are those? Yeah, then at ringside, you've had Sign Guy Dudley. I've heard of him. Big Dick Dudley, we all heard of him. Even Chubby Dudley, I heard of him. But dances with Dudley, which in that's um that's Adolfo Bermudez, and then Dudley Dudley, this unusual name that's Jeffrey Bradley. That's a made up name. It is a makeup name, but yeah. When I heard the Dudleys versus Chad Austin, Donnie Allen, I got so pumped, and then I'm like, who the fuck are these two guys? Oh, <laughs> you must have been so disappointed. You're expecting Bubba and D- and Devon, and you got a yeah. uh, Tatanka ripoff, I guess, and a guy. Like just a smaller big dick, small dick Dudley. Is that little, is that what we call him? Baby Dick Dudley. I'm gonna call him baby, <laughs> baby Dick Dudley. That's that's then, that's the headline. That's the episode title right there, folks. And I couldn't even tell if Big Dick Dudley was even hurt or not. I remember he was coming out on crutches, but then later in the night, in another match we're gonna talk about, he gets involved like he wasn't even hurt. Then he puts himself back on crutches. So Lord knows if he was look, really look that was a work or not. Marcus, how how dare you, first of all, questioning the legitimacy of his injury. Joey Styles told us plainly that he had an unfortunate mishap with his garbage truck, and that's how he broke his leg. <laughs> so you got to be more sensitive with these kind of things. Okay. Okay. All right. So No, I think it was legit because um, he does get involved later, but it was very – you know, he didn't use his leg, really. Um, 
and it's ECW. It's not like, oh, you're not medically cleared. We're not going to let you out there. It's like, yeah, big dick, take this shot to the arm and get your ass out there. We need some more Dudleys. We can't just have 12 Dudleys. We need 13 Dudleys out there. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, so we got uh, Dances With and Dudley, Dudley uh, versus Chad Austin and Don E. Allen. And uh, of course, Dudley Dudley, uh, he, he thinks he's the only legitimate Dudley because both of his parents, uh, their last names were Dudley. So a little bit that little bit of backstory uh, yeah. for the listeners there. And then uh, dances with Dudley, who uh, I've heard of, but I've never seen before. I guess he's he's an Indian fellow, a Native American. What do we call them nowadays? A Native American. Because he seemed like I, I couldn't tell if he was like mocking Tatanka or if he's just Native American and that's that's what they all do. You familiar with dances with? Sorta, yeah. Kind of rings a bell. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the match is what it's, it's it's essentially a squash match. Uh, so the jobbers, they're terrified of the Dudleys. As I mean, why wouldn't you be? Uh, again, somebody gets suplexed through the timekeeper's table. So it's the second match in a row where that's happened. Uh, Chad gets thrown to the outside. Big Dick takes his crutch and just impales Chad with it several times. Uh, but in the ring, dances with Dudley, or sorry, Dudley Dudley hits a big splash on, uh, I don't know, one of these jamokes for the win. So the Dudleys get the win. I think he hit it on Donnie Allen. Yeah, because I think Chad, uh, yeah, because I was, yeah, because Chad Austin was getting impaled by Big Dick on the outside. So it had to be Donnie Yellen. Uh, but yeah, the Dudleys get the win here. And we're, we're like right at the, at the beginning of the Dudleys storyline here. So uh, it's honestly one of the more <laughs> entertaining storylines going on in ECW right now because it's just so dumb. But uh, we know what it leads to. So uh, it, was, it was fun seeing the early, early iteration of the Dudleys here. What did you think? It was fun, but then, like I said, I was still days confused. Like, no Bubba, no Devon, but I went with it. Uh, not bad for a four-minute, 16-second mm-hmm. match. Yeah. Yeah, the first few matches, it was like four matches in 20 minutes. So it was like, it was like very bam, bam, bam. But, you know, harmless. Like, uh, you wouldn't want to see this for 20 minutes anyway. So uh, can't blame him for that. But, uh, oh, boy. This next match. So I, I ask all my listeners this who come on and talk ECW with me. Tell me, tell me what you know about Hack Myers. It sounds like he sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, kind of looks like one too. Yeah, and then now that you mentioned opponent, it, he is from the last house on the left. <laughs> yes, yes, correct. Thank you. I was just testing you. I was just testing you. I was going to say Baltimore, but I'm like, no, I'm going to say the last. Uh, JT Smith from the FBI, or I don't know if they were doing the FBI thing back then, but that's how I remember JT Smith. Right. The full-blooded Italians with old Nunzio, or you want to call him little Guido, and Tracy Smothers, God rest us, so uh, Tony Mamaluke, and uh, Big Guido. Of course. Of course. Can't forget Big Guido. I didn't know JT Smith was a part of the FBI. I guess it makes sense because he was kind of alluding to the fact that he was Italian before this match. What do you say something about Pisano, like his family's here or something? Do you recall what he was talking about, like in his little promo before the match? He was probably talking about some Italian brain name food, like DiGiorno or something. 
<laughs> uh, Sabaro, you know, the local flavor. I get yeah. it. I get it. Um, but yeah, so JT Smith versus Hack Myers. So we got shit versus Shaw here. The Shaw of ECW is Hack Myers. He's a uh, one of the biggest acts in ECW at this point. I had never heard of him until I had uh, I started rewatching these shows or watching these shows. So uh, the Shaw is here. But uh, man. So first of all, this match has a lot of cuts. It, it feels like a highlight package of sorts. Uh, so I can only imagine how bad the match was, but, um, so these two, they're like wrestling, you know, they're doing headlocks and wrist locks and all that shit. And the crowd's like, we want blood. It's like, okay, we're in Philly. We're in Philly. But so I guess, so you might know this more than me. Cause you knew, you knew JT Smith was in the, whether it was in the FBI. So is JT Smith, is this gimmick that he just botches a lot? Yes, I agree. He botches. He even botches the Italian accent as well. <laughs> well, I couldn't. It seemed like that was like what they were going for. Because there's a couple parts where like, like JT like tries to get on the second rope, but he slips. And I thought that might have been just it just happened. But the finish comes when uh, so JT he has Hack Myers down on the on the ground or in the ring. JT goes up to the top for a moonsault but he slips off the top rope and goes crashing through the timekeeper's table again. So that's the third match in a row where that's happened. But JT literally just slips off the rope and goes through the table and gets counted out, which by the way is ECW. Are there count outs in ECW? But yeah, I thought there were no rules where anything goes, where it's no, it's no DQs, no count outs. You can anybody, everyone interferes, like you do whatever you want. Basically. So are you, t- are you telling me that ECW is extreme? They don't sound extreme if you're going to have countouts involved in your stipulations, but uh, poor, poor timekeeper too. Like, what was that? The second or third table of the night that broke and that timekeeper been through like, what, five or six tables throughout the whole night? I mean, it's ECW, man. They don't have the budget for all these tables. It's like, man, this timekeeper just gets his notes together and all that. And these people, this hammer or the bell hammer or whatever they have over there. And it just keeps getting all... All cattywampus over there. So, yeah, I, th- I feel for the timekeeper here. But uh, Hack Myers gets the win, which is the most important thing here, even though it's by count out. So, uh, he attempted to do a moonsault and still were able to get the win by a count out. I had to rewind it because I'm like, where did the count out start? I thought they both got counted out at first. I had to go back and rewind it. And then I was like, oh, he attempted it and it, we went through it, but he was able to crawl back in and beat the 10 count. Well, no, it wasn't it because JT Smith went to the top rope and just slipped off the top rope and fell. And I think Hack Myers was just still in the, in the ring down, right? Uh, they both oh, well, they both might have. Uh, I know for sure, but Hack was the one who attempted the moonsault. But JT at times, he was attempting to jump off too, and he's kind of slipped near fall too. Right. It is what it is. But yeah, I felt like Hack Myers <laughs> didn't get any offense in this match. It was just bizarre, but he ended up with the win, so... So this next match, so we got a six-man tag team match. Taz and the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, versus Jason Knight and the Eliminators, the team of John Cronus and Perry Saturn. So this is the debut of the Eliminator Eliminators here. I remember yeah, I remembered this tag team too, but I didn't I for completely forgot 
Rick and Scott were even in ECW. Like, I always just remembered them in WCW together as a tag team. Yeah. Yeah, they, they popped in and out. I don't know if they ever stayed there for a long term, but um, yeah, it was it was fun seeing them there. But this match also had cuts, which I was pretty bummed about. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of that? Because it was like very like they chopped it up like a highlight package almost. I, I was looking forward to this match, but apparently uh, whoever produced this show I wasn't. I felt so. like it was rushed. There was there was no way that match was that long. I felt like it was shorter, but it could have been better if, uh, if it didn't end the way it did with when uh, Two Cold Scorpio interfered and attacked Taz and hurt his injured neck at the time. I was like, what was the point of that? Like, you yeah. got a main event to prepare for and you're already getting involved in other matches. I was just glad to see, like, an old-school Taz wrestle, like, from 95 like that because he was still young. And going, I don't know if he, if he wrestled mm-hmm. like Hook wrestles now, but it's like, it's like they're two different people. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen Taz walk around with a bag of chips, personally. But uh, in the ring, they're not you know too different, I suppose. And yeah, like you said, Taz at this point has a an injured neck. I don't know if it's broken or what the deal is. I assume it is. But um, like I said, it's ECW. So just rub some dirt in it. You know, take a few pills and you're out there. Um, so maybe that's why it was short, I guess. But um, and yeah, Scorpio, because he's. Tuco Scorpio is not in the match, but he was still out there. He had his wrestling gear on like he's in the main event. So I was confused as why he was out there. I don't know if him and Taz kind of got a uh, feud going, but. um, But yeah, so like I said, the match has is, is cut up. So it's just highlights basically of the match. A lot of fun suplexes from the Steiners, uh, some from the top rope. You got Steiner lines. You got Frankensteiners, Steiner slams, all that shit. And all then uh, fun seeing the, the Eliminators here. Yeah. yeah, they were a fun tag team. They were. I wonder how – they. I think they were one of the most popular tag teams in ECW outside of teams like the Dudleys or Public Enemy or um, – I don't know. Like, I, I think they were like one of those popular teams, the Eliminators, because you always hear their names. Like when I look – when I think of ECW classics, those are like one name, one tag team name I hear a lot. Names like like you think of the Dudley Boys, you think of Public Enemy, you even think of um, the Chair Swinging Freaks, Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. That's like usually those popular tag team names, and the Eliminators is on that list, and even the Pitbulls mm-hmm. as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Eliminators. Like I haven't seen a lot of them, but I still know their finisher, Total Elimination. And whenever I see a high low move, even today, it's like oh they're doing the Total Elimination move. So they made an impact for sure. I like the name of that. I like the name of it, and it's a kick-ass finisher as well. Oh, yeah, especially for the time. It was super innovative, and it was believable. So, um, but yeah, so ultimately in this match, because Taz eventually gets in there, but all he can do is really punch because <laughs> he can't suplex people with a broken neck, I guess. What a pussy. But uh, Scorpio gets in there. <laughs> uh, what about a Taz mission, you think? Or not technically, because you're going to fall back when you got it locked in so yeah you would really <laughs> you would have to let it's like when you get into bed and you're not trying to wake the other person in there and you have to get in there like very gingerly and then yeah. do that and then choke them out you know how it goes right um but then uh so <laughs> did scorpio gets in there kicks taz in the head and uh that gets them the win because taz already has injured neck so 
so the you know Jason and the Eliminators get the win. So uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I wish it would have we could have seen more of it, but for what we saw, it, it was fun. It could have been it could have been a lot better match if Taz wasn't injured with his neck and Two Cold Scorpio getting involved. But then again, if Taz was one hundred percent, I'm pretty sure they'd have went at it toe to toe, even though. Uh, they probably right. wouldn't even call it a disqualification, but they'll call a count out like they did in the previous match. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I don't know why we couldn't have just gotten the Eliminators versus the Steiners. Honestly, that would have been a banger. Oh, hell yeah, that would have been a banger, especially in their prime like that. I'm pretty Ooh, sure it happened before. We'll have to hunt for it. Like We'll have to go in that Peacock library and or maybe Google Eliminators versus the Steiner Brothers in ECW and see what it comes up. And if they had something like a pay-per-view maybe or something that yeah. you can find on YouTube, I'm definitely going to tune in and see how that came about. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Cause I know they go to WCW eventually. I'm not sure when exactly that is, but uh, yeah, hopefully it happened in ECW at some point. That sounds, uh, yeah, some spicy hot fire. I'm sure that would be, but um, man, after that, we got a, uh, this is, some, this is some good shit here, I'm going to be honest. So we have the ECW tag team titles on the line. It is a two out of three falls, double dog collar match. We got the champions, Raven and Stevie Richards versus the Pitbull, which of course, as everybody knows, is the team of Pitbull number one. And Pitbull number two. And Pitbull number two, thank you. So you Gary, know, you're Gary Wolf is Pitbull one. Uh, number two, is it? Oh shit! I know he passed away. Is it Anthony Durant? That's his name. I'm not sure what it. I, th- I thought his real name was Pitbull Number One or Pitbull Number Two. Honestly, yeah, one's Gary Wolf. I know that for sure because I remember that from One Night Stand because he he's the one that showed the uh, video package of all the superstars that passed away in the past and they did a little right paid homage to those guys. Yeah, I have a lot. I I really enjoyed this match. I have a quite a bit to say about it, good and bad. Like good, I'll start good for example. I haven't seen many dog collar matches in my life, but I enjoy a dog collar match because first off, it's going to get brutal. It's going to get bloody. And of course, when I think of dog collar matches, I think of two guys that tore the roof off of buildings when they wrestled. One was my family's favorite all-time wrestler growing up, the Junkyard Dog, and his big rival, Butch Reed. They always mm-hmm. had insane dog collar matches. And I've watched the classic one not long ago on youtube because i was like i gotta i actually have right here uh i gotta give a shout out to high five tom he gave me a copy of jyd's book king of new orleans and i've been reading it's a damn good read and i had to look up the dog collar match with butch reed that happened in sam houston coliseum and watched it on youtube it's it's fucking amazing it's crazy how brutal they could get back in the 80s compared to how they get brutal today plus the fact that uh, this was the only championship match of the night, so it was going to be entertaining, but this is what kind of confused yeah. me. I'll, I'll kind of start this one off right here. At first, we were attempting to get a handicap match because Raven comes out alone, and then Bula McGillicuddy gets in the ring, and she's like, well, Steven Richards suffered a broken ankle or something from the show the night before. He's not going to be able to be 100% to compete. Is there a way we can make this two out of three falls? And then the Pitbulls were like, fuck yeah, we'll do two out of three falls. The first fall probably lasted under two minutes where the Pitbull 2 hit a pile driver on Raven through a table. 
and already got the uh, no Raven hit the pile driver on. I said that yeah. wrong. Raven hit the pile driver yep. and got the win, and I'm like, well, you just suited yourself from have you could have just went one fall and you could have retained your titles easily there, and then now you requested a two out of three falls, and now you got to fucking get another yep. win, and then on top of that, Gary Wolf went go get Stephen Richards. God, I laughed how he looked back in the back in the nineties when they had the, the Jerry Carl mullet, the tight ass white Daisy Dukes, and he was already blooded yeah. to him. And I'm like, he ain't got no. It was hot, leg. right? He ain't got no broken leg. Hell no, it ain't hot. It might have been hot in that building. It was on a <laughs> it was on a September night in Philly. I'm pretty sure it gets hot up there in Philly at times. But yeah, uh, he was walk. He put ballots on both his legs. I'm like, he ain't got no fucking broken leg. I don't know what Bueller was thinking. And I think the second fall lasted quick too because then the Pitbull scored the second fall. They powerbombed Stevie Richards off the top rope through a table. So tables mm-hmm. are just being put through throughout the night. So now the series is tied one fall apiece, one to one. And then the third fall kind of drags. But yeah, the first two falls go a total combined of like five, six minutes. Yeah. Which is, you know, to be fair, it's about the <laughs> the first three matches were about five minutes combined. So um but yeah it's was, it was like because in a kayfabe sense if raven is going in alone why is making it two out of three falls benefit him because wouldn't you wouldn't that just amplify how hard it is for him because he would have to get two falls to win versus you know maybe he could just sneak one fall in there against two guys so that, that didn't really make sense and then um yeah you know, like you said like you said the first two falls kind of just happened rapidly so you might as well just had a, a one fall match but um but yeah tables are just getting destroyed left and right and uh i do like i don't know if you notice this like the way ecw tables explode because sometimes like in wwe you know people go through a table it's just like one little like a split down the middle like if you get like one of those mattel toy tables like that's what it looks like ecw tables you get driven through one of those it just goes, it's shards of wood go everywhere. I think it looks so cool at ECW for some reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And hell, I don't know if he was still in the crowd or he just gave the fan his sign, but throughout the night, I've been seeing Sign Guy Dudley sign in the crowd unless he gave it to a fan. No, Sign Guy was there. He had the glasses and the tie-dye shirt. So he was, he was there. He just sat there throughout the rest of the night. He's living the gimmick, brother, you know? <laughs> Speaking of the Dudleys, even later in the third fall, the Dudleys were interfering in the match. And I'm like, what the hell's this now? So that's a whole thing. So, so like you said, you know, the first it's tied up one to one. Everybody's bleeding all over the place. And then the Dudleys interfere because the Dudleys and Raven and Stevie Richards are all kind of in an, an alliance here. So they get in there. Plus the Dudleys and the Pitbulls have beef. So it's, it's a whole thing. But the Dudleys get in there and attack the Pitbulls. And, uh, but the Pitbulls, or wait, no, no, yeah. So the Dudleys actually, because it's two Dudleys and they got Raven and Steve Richards. So they're able to hit two super bombs at the same time in opposite corners on the Pitbulls, because that's Pitbulls move. Um, but then the Pitbulls, they no sell it. They get right back up and they both hit double DDTs. So four people getting DDT'd at once, which is silly, but it was fun. Um, with all with all those people in the ring, like surprised they didn't get botched or anything. Like there's just there was just so many bodies in the ring when they did yeah. those double DDTs off the top. No, I'm telling you, this this whole match is pretty 
solid. And then you got so the pit bulls are they no sell it, they get back up, fighting spirit and all that. And then uh, they hit the super bomb on Dudley Dudley, then hit the super bomb on Dances with Dudley. They hit the super bomb on Raven, but Raven, they like miss the table. <laughs> the Raven's head cracks yeah, like the table, that, but it doesn't break. How did he not have a concussion from that? He hit that into that table. Hard. Oh, he probably did. Holy shit. I, I felt bad for him. And that was over 25 years ago. Oh, I guarantee you Raven had had a few concussions at this point. It's ECW. There's no laws. This is what this is what I I'll tell you this uh, at one point. I think I'm going to I'm going to say 10 seconds. Then I, I turned my head for 10 seconds. And then when I turned around, then all of a sudden I see Tommy Dreamer in the ring attached to a dog collar. And I'm like, what the hell did I miss here? Like, <laughs> I literally rewound that whole match and watched it from the very beginning. So I'm like, OK, Raven and Stevie won the first fall with the power driver. I, I, I didn't miss a single bit of that. Tipples won the second fall with the power bomb. I didn't miss that. It wasn't until at one point, I think one of them pulled out, like, how do you say it, Ethan? Like, they had that rag of, like, Ethan or whatever, and yeah. Pipple 2 was passed out cold, and then it was basically two-on-one, and then out of nowhere, here comes Tommy Dreamer. He latches himself with the dog collar connected to Raven, and I remember the whole history with mm-hmm. Tommy Dreamer and Raven back in ECW. Like, they were the hottest rivalry, but Tommy could never pin Raven, but he except mm-hmm. one night only later in the years and i see scores the pin and then i'm like well wait does that make him and gary wolf the tag team champions or he just filled in and gave the pitbulls the tag team titles because there was a stipulation that if the pitbulls lost then they had to break up as a tag team and then that's when bill right. alfonso yes. fucking came out and i heard a lot of stories about how annoying he was with that fucking whistle he was always just like a referee or something and then Saying how uh-huh. oh Pitbulls win the titles, they win the match, but your pin over Raven doesn't count. You still never got to pin Raven, blah blah blah. And then the crowd's booing him, and then you hear a, a a theme song, and then the crowd's going fucking crazy. So I'm like, well, someone's coming out big. A, a, a name I've heard before with a moment I saw on ECW One Night Stand that was a historic moment. There's a wrestler by the name of Nine One One. Somehow he always, I guess he had a feud with fucking Bill Alfonso. All he ever wanted to do was choke slam the guy and he could never do it until he finally gave him this huge one arm, holding him up in the air for like 10 seconds and slammed him down to the ground. And the whole building, ECW Arena is going ape shit. Like he finally got over that hump of choke slamming Bill Alfonso. I figured you know mm-hmm. more about that storyline. But yeah, Tommy. Uh, but then again, uh, whatever his name is, Todd Gordon or something, whoever was the president yeah. or something, restarted the third fall. And then it ended up being back Pitbulls versus Raven Stevie again. And then they did the he power bomb one of them on the other through a table, or he no he double power bomb mm-hmm. both of them at the same time, and then got the one two three in the that Pitbulls. was crazy. He got to be strong to do shit like that. And then they finally won the tag. I don't know if that was their first title reign they've ever won, but they were able to be, still remain a tag team. And it was a emotional, cool moment. Tommy Dreamer and 911 celebrating with the Pitbulls. And Alfonso's yeah. laid out cold. The Dudleys are scattered around. The uh, <laughs> is a freaking bloody. He, he must have been the Ric Flair of ECW. That boy was gushing. 
his whole face was painted red blood. Dude, he he must have gone to the hospital, Stevie Ray, because from the second he came out, I mean, he was covered in blood. And then this match lasted, damn, it had to be at least 20 minutes for, between the like the match itself and all the shenanigans kind of afterwards. Like, it was, it was a, a lot. And yeah, you laid that out perfectly. Match. 19 minute and 47 second match. Yeah. So, yeah. So about 20 minutes, especially considering like all the aftermath and stuff. Um, but yeah. And then got to, of course, bring up uh, Beulah McGillicuddy and Francine having a, a cat fight middle of the match. Because That's right. They did have a cat fight. Did Joey even do that? You know, I remember how he did it for ECW one night stand, but I guess was I guess that was like her arch nemesis. I don't ever remember. The only other women I remember in ECW outside of Beulah and Francine was like Dawn Marie uh, and even Jazz. It's like the only two other women I remember. I remember Lita at one point was in ECW for right. a while, but I was I don't remember what year that was, but. I only just remember Beulah and Francine. They were kind of the pioneers. Plus, you could throw in Jazz and Dawn Marie. Yeah, Luna Vachon popped in for a little bit. Um, we're fresh off. I don't know if she comes back or not, but her and Tommy Dreamer were kind of teaming up for a little bit. Um, but yeah, you laid that out, you know, very well. And then because, yeah, like, like you said, Bill Alfonso comes out after uh, Tommy Dreamer pins one of the uh, it was Raven, I think. It's like, he's not, yeah. he, Tommy, you're not in the match. That doesn't count. And then Todd Gordon comes in and Todd and Bill Alfonso have a little scuffle. And then Todd eventually gets the better of them. There was the funniest part about this. There was a funny part. Okay, what's that ring announcer's name? Something Ortiz. Ricky Ortiz. Something like that. If you can read his lips, at one point when Alfonso was in the ring making these announcements, the camera zoomed in on Ortiz. On him, and he was like, "What the fuck you want, or what the fuck?" Like he said, "What the fuck?" Yeah, 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 I saw that too. <laughs> this is so genuine. Like, oh, this cocksucker. But um, yeah, nine one one choking, uh, choke slamming Bill Alfonso definitely a big moment because uh, he had been kind of blue balled for a, a few months trying to get his hands out on Alfonso, and was finally able to nut, so to speak, with this choke slam. And then uh, big ECW chance, and then the uh, Pitbull number two because earlier in the match, Pitbull number two was put through a table by Raven, and he actually got stretchered out. So it was a handicap match for a little bit. But then Pit- Pitbull two is he's back, he's rejuvenated. And then they, uh, like you said, they hit that double super bomb where uh, the Pit- Pitbull two he has one guy for a power bomb, and then the other guy gets put by the other Pitbull on top of his shoulders. It's crazy. Visually, it's, it's, I mean, just me saying it, it sounds crazy, but it looked pretty sweet. And yeah, the pit, like you said, the Pitbulls get the win, new champs. And you know, you have 911, Tommy Dreamer, and the Pitbulls all celebrating. I thought this was, it sounds like a lot of nonsense, and it was, but I was in, I was into this from start to finish. Yeah, that, ma- that was the best, that was the best match of the night. I agree. It was best match of the night, hands down. You wouldn't say uh, Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. was the best match of the night? That was the best, like, non-violent match of the night. I, you could say the dog collar match was the most brutal match of the night, that it was one of the best. But if you want to just talk about yeah. pure style, high-flying agility and everything, then yes, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, two guys who were actually making their debuts that night. Rey, I want to say, was he like 20 mm-hmm. years old when he did this match? He was like 19 or 20 years old. Yeah, he was. 
Ray, Ray was 20 and Psychosis was 23. And if I'm correct, Joey Styles said on ECW One Night Stand they had over 500 matches in multiple promotions, including ECW and WCW. Probably in AAA as yeah. well. Or no, I, Libre. I believe it. Yeah, they probably wrestled a lot in Mexico as well, if I had to guess. In Japan. Because, I mean, because right here, yeah. Because, like you said, they're making their debuts in ECW at this point. And you could tell they had just tremendous chemistry with one another. I mean, the the speed of this match was just insane, man. Because, like, they're both, like, they start out, they get into, like, a little bit of chain wrestling and stuff. But then Ray, Ray arm drags Psychosis and sends them damn near into the first row ringside. That was and a then they get awesome in the ring. cool thing. <laughs> yes. I was like, what the fuck? Dude, I never like saw that rock- before. That was the most devastating arm drag I've ever seen in my life. That was crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm like watching this match and I was like, I'm not can't even take notes on this shit. They're just moving so fast. Like so many things are happening. Like they're throwing out these all these tilt whirls and hurricane ranas and you know, handspring bullshits. What what what's the fucks? And then it's like it's it's insane. But everything is so fluid, so smooth. And I guess this would be kind of like an introduction to Lucha Libre for like for the ECW fans, yeah, because yeah, because WWF, WCW, they weren't doing this. Paul did it first, and then Eric Bischoff kind of gazed in and started the cruiserweight division and all that, and then brought in those international talents, not just from Mexico, but also from Japan and Germany and all them, and these high flyers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this coincides with WCW, because Nitro had just started at this point. Or maybe this was a little bit before Nitro, but at the beginning of, the, of Nitro, they were bringing guys like Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, who had all come through ECW too. Yeah. So not Luger. only are they conceptually like taking, <laughs> yeah, well, in, you know, in terms of cruiserweights, like not only are they like taking like the conceptual, like oh, we could have cruiserweight action on our show, like they're literally just taking the people from ECW and bringing them. Chris Benoit debuted in WCW, and then Rey Mysterio and Psychosis would eventually make their way too. so but yeah like you said ecw started it and seeing the uh the beginnings here was uh was interesting to see uh yeah what did you think about this match oh kind of you kind of took the words out of my mouth i mean it was so fast paced trying to keep up trying to see what moves are done and there's a lot of just flipping around a lot of speed agility running the ring ropes or diving over the top rope or arm dragging into the freaking first row of the crowd I mean, it was just so. I felt like Ray was doing more of the flying than Psychosis. I mean, Psychosis did do a, a few flies or two. But yeah. It's like Ray Mysterio. It was like Pitcher and Yoda versus Count Dooku and Attack of the Clones. I felt like that's what I was watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Psychosis was the bigger of the two. I mean, he's still small, but I mean, Ray Mysterio, I think he was, what, 160 pounds or something? Yeah, you know, what they probably- said. Probably less than that. I'll say about 130. And he was probably like right at five foot or five foot two, or psychosis was probably like what five seven, five eight. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that was definitely the, the dynamic of the match. Psychosis was kind of using the power moves to ground Rey Mysterio. Like the, so the beginning was very fast paced, but then it slowed down a little bit in the middle where psychosis was dominating, hitting some like power bombs and all that stuff. But uh eventually they're like fighting on the apron. And Ray gets knocked on his back on the apron. 
and he but he catapults psychosis with his feet in like into the ring post which is just nutty i'm sure i've done it a thousand times but i had never seen it before this so that that, that was a crazy spot in this match might have been the craziest spot of the whole entire match yeah but one what one moment that i loved about this match because you have all this lucha libre action it's so clean it's so fast so athletic but then uh, Psychosis goes for a suicide dive onto Ray, but Ray just grabs a chair and blocks it with a chair and hits him in the head with it. So he's like, he's embracing the ECW kind of culture, which embracing the hardcore ch- chair and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Ray being able to adapt that to that kind of stuff just shows like why he's become such a big deal and why he's still going today. Um, but uh, <laughs> and another hilarious spot. And an awesome spot. So Ray, he's going. So now Psychosis is on the outside. Ray's on the inside of the ring. He goes for a dive, but Psychosis like runs into the crowd to escape. So Ray <laughs> springboards into the crowd with a crossbody on a Psychosis, which you weren't see. I mean, we've seen a lot of that. Maybe not a lot of it, but I mean, since '95, we've seen a lot of that. But here, like, I don't know, is that the first time we've seen that on, like, a major American show? I feel like it must be diving into the crowd. Yeah. Oh. You're not seeing fucking Hulk Hogan do that as Lex Luger on WCW, that's for sure. No. But, um, so Ray, <laughs> Psychosis goes to the top rope. They they fight back to the ring. Ray hits a, he runs up to the top rope and hits a Rana from the top rope. Almost breaks his neck. But, uh. That Rana gives Ray the win. And uh, yeah, awesome match here. And they would have a bunch more matches after this. But definitely the start of something special for ECW as they would get more into the Lucha Libre stuff. I always felt like that was the only man he ever faced in ECW. Because anytime I saw something that involved Rey Mysterio in ECW, it was against Psychosis. Whether if it was the West Coast pop that was so high up in the air or... The battle in the parking lot where he jumped off a car and did a tilt-a-whirl on the concrete floor, and I'm like, like, I feel like that was his only opponent. But then, it, I mean, I know I'm wrong. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's wrestled other people. Maybe he, uh, I don't know, maybe he wrestled Mikey Whitbreak or something. He was a young, he was a late talent, too, that kind of rose to stardom. And he was in the main event of this pay-per-view, too, so. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anybody else other than Psychosis that he faced. Because, I, mean, right, I mean, he would be in WCW, Definitely by like mid ninety six. I don't know exactly when he went over there, but I don't think he, he was in ECW very long. He went to WCW at in June of ninety six. He at Great American Bash. He uh, his debut match I think was against Dean Malenko. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know. I guess like eight or nine months. So he had a decent stint there, but I'm sure he's like hopping from Mexico and Japan. So he's probably not there every show. But there was um, one superstar we're going to be talking about that. I'd like to know how long was his run in ECW and did he did he even have a damn match? And you're repping the shirt. We're talking about stunning Steve Austin making that was the night he made his debut. I didn't even now I remember he did the whole Hulkamania impersonation. I didn't realize that was his debut night, but I, it was weird how they showed it. Like before they get to the main event, Joey Styles is like, "Oh, there's some chaos going backstage," and they're trying to get a cameraman, and the camera keeps fuzzing and cutting off. The show New Jack and Too Cold getting at it with the pit bulls and shit. Like, like that's not what doing the cage, just getting the ring. And then and then out of nowhere, you see someone dressed in yellow way in the back behind Joey Styles. 
And it's like, holy shit, it's stunning Steve Austin, and he's doing his horrible Hogan impersonations. But I've heard the stories about Austin, how he got fired through FedEx by WCW and Eric Bischoff, and then Paul Heyman called him up. He's like, just come to ECW, come to Philly and just talk and tell us how you feel. And I'll never forget the damn promos. I'll never forget the one where he dressed up like Eric Bischoff and like, welcome to Monday Night Raw where the boys play mm-hmm. with each other. And he had the, he still looked like stunning Steve, <laughs> but he had the damn 90s yeah. jumpsuit pants with all the neon colors and shit. I'm like, good God. Austin's looking at himself like, mm. now I see why I'm an alcoholic because I dress like this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they had a crazy sense of fashion back i'm in the with 90s. it man i'm with it too but it's coming are. back man i believe it i've seen it bring it back i mean bring 80s i mean you see quite a bit of 80s fashion back too but i'm like bring that 90s 90s style back too oh man fanny packs man no especially with the I women yeah, fanny, you see these, i can't do fanny packs i can't do the fanny packs that's not me. I, I feel like it's more of a girl thing, but uh, I'll let you go. This bad boy oh. right here. Oh, Maddie Daddy would love You got shit to talk about fanny packs, son? It could be. Anyways. It makes a hell of a verb. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of packing fannies, we got. I'll let you go. Oh, I was going to say, I'll let you go ahead and talk about Austin's debut. Since I went ahead and said my thoughts about it. No, it was. I'm glad you did. I mean, I'm with you, man. I didn't know it was this show where it happened, but uh, you pull it up on Peacock and they have like the like the cover art for the show. That was the loading screen. Steve Austin's face. And I'm like, that's the night he did that. And I'm like, I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Like, oh, it happened at the end of the night, right before the main event. I was waiting for it to pop up like after the first match or maybe in the middle of the show. No, you got it right before the main event. And it was weird how. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't really show no entrances the whole night till they got to the main event. Oh, and then they 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 milk those entrances. But uh, yeah, that definitely in hindsight, this is probably the most significant part of the show. Maybe not at the time, but uh, stunning Steve Austin makes his debut in ECW backstage. He's dressed like Hulk Hogan. He's obviously you know just shitting all over WCW and because Hogan's running wild over there and. Uh, Austin recently fired from WCW and uh, I I covered WCW on the show as well. The last match Steve Austin had in WCW, at least on pay-per-view, I I assume that was his last match. He got squashed by Jim Duggan and I want to say like nine seconds or something. Oh no. That's that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Some may say that's the, that was the last straw. Was it late 95, like late, late 95 or early 96? He came into the WWF as the ringmaster because I know once he came, he had a quick rise till he became Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was February of 96 he made his debut as the ringmaster, but I was wondering his short time in WCW. Yeah. So he made his debut in September of 95. So he was probably only in the company, what, like four months the most? From September he was to not like, there for long. And uh, did he even wrestle a match in ECW? I don't remember so, him having a match. He he only had a handful of matches. I actually peeked to the next card for ECW, um, Holiday Hill. No, no, November to remember. And um, he actually has an ECW World Title match on that show against oh, the champion Mike, at that point, Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck. Yes, 
because I remember the ladder match against the Sandman and Austin interfered like didn't even mm-hmm. need to fucking interfere. That was one of the extra matches on the Rise and Fall, and then that was like a historic moment because right. he was the youngest. I thought he said he was nineteen when he won the title. He was like twenty one or twenty two when he won the title. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, Steve, he did, he didn't he wasn't in ECW very long, but I think he was still injured at this point, I want to say, because that's why he's, he's cutting promos and he would cut a bunch of like you said, the Eric Bischoff one and just basically poking fun at WCW. That was and so we're like in the midst of all that competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not a lot of significant stuff from him, but the stuff that he did was significant. So but yeah, Steve Mania is running wild, everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny because Steve he cuts his promo. He's you know, I'm gonna take my vitamins, drink my milk, and then he rips his shirt off and he's like, Ah, this shit ain't gonna get it done anywhere. So it's like because Hulk Hogan, he was kind of getting a little stale at this point. So it kind of probably probably hit home for some people. He but. said something at the end of the promo that made me laugh hysterically. He's like I think he said something like, when we're going to see you wrestle or something, he's like, oh, y'all ain't getting shit or something like that. I'd have to go back and watch the damn promo. But it was, oh, my God, I laughed yeah. at that. Good stuff. We're uh, we're right at the beginning. That was you could, you could very much say that that promo right there was the birth of Stone Cold because that was very much like his essence. Like yeah. he had the long hair, but beyond that, you could see Stone Cold there for sure. But the main event, we're here at the main event. We got a, uh, a steel cage six-man tag team match. So we got the team of Mikey Whipwreck and the Public Enemy versus New Jack, Sandman, and Two Cold Scorpio. So uh, I think I mentioned before, but Mustafa. So I don't know if this is what really happened. But New Jack and Joey Styles both say that Mustafa, the other half of the gangsters, Got got into a run in with the law the night before, so that's why he's not here. Uh, I never fact checked that. I just assumed that Joey Styles would never lie to me. So that's the situation there. So they got two cold Scorpio to take his place, and like I don't know, man. It's ninety five. Like, were they just like, hey, let's just get another black guy in there, and then people will believe it? Like, uh, is, that, is that where we were <laughs> in ninety five? But. It is what it is, but um, crazy match here. I mean, it, it was chaos, steel cage, weapons, six bodies in there. They're fighting all around the arena. Mikey Whipwreck has dreads in a public enemy jersey, which I thought was pretty fun. The entrance dragged ass. The entrances of public enemy and the Sandman dragged ass, like never ended. So, yeah. So if you were listening to the original audio, it would be better because I don't know how familiar with you are with their music, but your public enemy, they come out to a hot stepper by, um, but yeah, you know, I actually have that song on my phone. I can tell you who sings it. Do it. Tell me the people need to know any commos. That sounds made up. You just made that name up right now, didn't no, you? No, no, I shit you not. He's a Jamaican. <laughs> well, I believe that. That checks. I look, I don't know if and, you can uh, look. I don't know if you can read it. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm with you. Did I you just have that on on speed dial? No, this is in my. Uh, <laughs> you pulled it up pretty fast. This is in my Apple Music. 
the the only thing I remember from theme songs, I thought they may have came out to like a song by Public Enemy, but no. Uh, Sandman come out to Inner Sandman by Metallica. I knew that, and then uh, Tuco, New Jack come out to Natural Born Killers by Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. Iconic, iconic. But yeah, if you're watching on Peacock and you have like the <laughs> the dubbed music, yeah, it would definitely drag. Um, I mean, it drags anyways, but it's a little bit better with the original music. So um, <laughs> the beginning of this match here, man. So so New Jack grabs the mic. And whenever New Jack grabs a mic, you know some shit's about to go down. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like I said, he mentioned uh, your Mustafa, Mustafa, you got in a run-in with the 5-0 last night. I don't like any of you pussy motherfuckers. Like all that shit. That's New Jack uh, for you. Which is funny because literally in the... St- and the Steve Austin promo right before this, they were bleeping out shit, but I guess pussy motherfuckers is okay. But you can't say shit. You can say pussy motherfucker. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm going to take that. I, I assume that rule still applies today. So I'm going to go into work and I'm going to start calling people pussy motherfuckers. And I th- I'm assuming it's going to be all good. Um, then you got, as all this is happening, Sandman is sitting on top of the cage. He finishes a full beer smashes it on his head and then lights up a cigarette. So this is like the most yep. ECW shit <laughs> that you can ever watch. I was wondering what kind of beer was Sandman drinking. I guess that's a Philadelphia brand beer. Like, I'm trying to look at that beer can and I'm like, what the fuck is he drinking? Yeah, I didn't think to look at it. Um, it's a weird. I don't know. What, what would you thing? drink if you had to if you had to come to the ring with a beer? I'd be drinking Bud Light. Ah, dilly dilly, huh? Yeah. But like, or Dilzeki's, which I drink that on special occasions. But then again, I'd be wrestling a match. That's a special occasion right there. Once in a lifetime. I'd come out yeah. with, with Dilzeki's. If not, if not then, then when, you know? So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so much like the, uh, the Lucha match earlier, where there was so much happening that it was hard to take notes. This is kind of a similar thing. I mean, you have like Rocco Rock and New Jack or whatever, Johnny Grunge and New Jack fighting like in the crowd. You have people fighting in the cage. But for whatever reason, I actually very much enjoyed this match. I don't know what it was. I thought the crowd was really into it. I'm sure that helped a lot. Do, do you, you, you watch Double or Nothing, right? Yes, I did. Did you enjoy Anarchy in the Arena? No, that match was so bad. But what made it worse was they played, they had Wild Thing on repeat. And I'm like, did the uh, DJ for the show go take a piss? Wild Thing. And forgot to turn the music off. I felt like I was watching a, a New Jack match with Natural Born Killers playing in the background <laughs> while they're beating the shit out of them. And I'm like, and shout out to Jericho for breaking that sound bar. I don't know. that There was just too much going on at once. Anarchy in the Arena is basically stadium stampede with a live audience. But yeah, I felt like I was watching a new Jack match with yeah. that fucking song playing in the background, except it wasn't Natural Born Killers. It was Wild Thing by X, not Jimi Hendrix, uh, the <laughs> rock version. Right. Yeah, the uh, the Major League version. I felt this cage was small, too. That steel cage was so small. Oh, yeah. It had to be like seven, eight feet because there was like in the beginning. So like Sandman's coming out and then Mikey Whipwreck like stands on top of the cage to like stare him down. And then he just kind of like jumps down from the did, top of the cage. Do they even have a no door problem. to get in or you have to climb over the top? 
They had a door, but I don't think they locked it because people were just opening it and getting in and out willy nilly throughout the whole thing. So I was confused with even it the was point tall of the enough was, where it was tall enough where half of your body can lean over the top while you're standing on the top rope. Because remember when they were still playing uh here come the hot stepper in. I guess that was Rocco Rock just bouncing off the top rope and waving his hands and the entire ECW arena was waving their hands like they didn't care and singing here come the hot stepper. These kids, they're just waving their hands like they don't even give a care. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It was very, uh, very weird. I guess they blew their budget on tables. Well, I have a question too. Is why do uh, why are you calling a Gangsta's Paradise cage match when I was thinking, okay, that maybe it's a cage match with weapons or something. I mean, it's kind, of, it kind of sounds like a horrific name and. If you're calling it Gangster's Paradise because there was a lot of black guys in the cage, Pauly, that's fucking, that's not a good look. <laughs> Gang okay. warfare. Mustafa and New Jack. Mustafa and New Jack call themselves the gangsters. That, yeah. That's their thing. That's their tag team name, right? Gangster's, Gangster's Paradise. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm sure. I don't, I'm sure. I think it was before ECW because they, they're recently debuted in ECW at this point. Okay. So. And then you know Coolio, right? You're familiar. Yeah. Green Hornet. Yep. Was the theme. And on the on the horrible Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, they had to go back and redo the whole thing. That was the last time oh, I was heard. That, was that in the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer? The very first one they debuted with the horrible Hedgehog, and the, it was so bad they had to go back and redo the whole movie, make him look cuter instead of look like he's on right. cocaine. That song Gangsta's Paradise was playing in the trailer, and they were like, that's the worst song you can pick for Sonic the Hedgehog. Why? What does Sonic the Hedgehog have to do with gangsters? I don't know. They had the, Paradise. They were bashing the song just as much as they were bashing how Sonic looked. So they redid the trailer, redid Sonic, and they, they oh, we're going to put Blitzkrieg Bop instead of Gangsta's Paradise. Well, it's closer to the theme of the movie, I guess, but like... Like a fast version of Blitzkrieg Bop, like... Like if it was running Sonic speed, running at Sonic speed. See, it all comes together. It all it all makes sense when you really think about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, this match, man. Chairs, trash can lids, frying pans, all Tendo come into play. Sticks. Can't forget about and the then that's, uh, Well, I think that's a little bit later, or maybe it was in the beginning. I just missed it. There was a lot going on, like I said. But at some point. Because you gotta up the ante. Because I mean, you got people like earlier in the show, people are getting suplexed through tables. You got, um, you know, JT Smith falling off the top rope through a table, and Raven he put he, he double stacked tables and put Pitbull number two through it. So now they gotta just keep on building upon it, and now we got triple stack tables, and it went <laughs> two gold Scorpio. Did it though? Well, yeah, I guess it kind of did. It did. Um, you have to look at it closely. You got to look at that last table closely when they he did it. But I have a question about this. When it when it comes to cage matches, are you supposed to keep your opponents in and avoid them to escape? Because I kept seeing them get out of the cage to get weapons, and I'm like, okay, I guess you win by pinfall in this cage match. Oh yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I guess the- my guys have a case didn't matter. Like <laughs> people, the door wasn't even locked. They were just getting in and out. They were fighting in the crowd. They were it's doing all weapon. sorts of shit. It's basically a weapon. Yeah. But at some point they triple stack the tables. 
Too Cold Scorpio and Rocco Rock. They're they're jostling up on top of the cage. At some point, they they both stand up on top of the cage, and they just both go crashing off the cage through all three tables. And I, like like you said, I thought they missed the first table, but after they moved it around, you could see that it cracked. So they they went through all three tables, which is like holy shit! Like that was that was insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even though the, the cage is like four feet tall, but it's whatever. Um, and one, th- one thing I noticed about this match, Sandman, he loves suplexing tables on top of people. Yes, he does. Doesn't seem like a very painful move for like logistically. Like, is that painful when you suplex a table onto somebody? Have you ever had a, have you ever had a table suplex on top of you? No, I hope not either. That looks pretty dangerous to me. <laughs> <laughs> for the table, for sure. Uh, and there was a funny moment in this match where Sandman, he's like holding up a table. Yeah, he easily has it in front of him. Rocco Rock drop kicks him in the back. So Sandman goes like tumbling forward and ends up going through that table that he's holding, which like you hear my words describing it. Like that doesn't make any sense, but you, you have to watch it. Like it was just hilarious. Um, then we have, you know, Mikey gets, he, he starts getting some offense in. He has the top row. Pern can run on the Sandman for a two count, but then ultimately Mikey Whipwreck hits the super fly splash off the top of the cage. Does the hand gesture and all onto Sandman and pins the ECW champion for the win, which is a huge moment for Mikey pinning the ECW champion here. And uh, yeah, it sets up their ladder match that happens uh, a few weeks or months after this. So uh, the match itself, I thought was, I mean, it was chaos. It was pretty chaotic, but I, th- I was pretty entertained by it. I was pretty entertained too, especially like when's, uh, when's the match going to start? They drag the entrances. I hate how when they introduce the superstars, they just introduce them all one at a time, including the man, including woman. Woman had her own introduction and she wasn't even in the match. It's like, okay, I'm re- can you just fucking start the match now, please? And not everyone has to be introduced. You just introduce them all as one, like they do today. And then one uh-huh. finally, when that bell rang, I'm like, finally, we get to see some ass kicking. And there was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. And then when the match was over, they kept going. Yeah, oh, it never I, ends. It never yeah. ends. You got you got more Sandman. The pay-per-view ends while there's a brawl going on and they just cut it. Like, like we don't see the end of it. They're just beating the shit out of each other and then the camera goes off and the pay-per-view is over. So, so we, we got to talk about the Sandman spot that happened after the match. So Sandman, after the match, he, he starts beating on Mikey with the Singapore cane after Woman throws it in there. And then, so Mikey's down on the mat. <laughs> Sandman, he like sticks the Singapore cane into the cage, like in the corner. So that's like stuck in the corner of the cage. So Sandman stands on top of the cane and hits like a, what a leg drop off of it. But the cane just snaps as soon as he like, let's go of the cage. Yes, I was like, what was, was the purpose the, of that? He was, that was that beer he drank. He got so drunk. He's like, I'm, I think this cane's strong enough to hold my balance. And right as we put his foot on it, it snapped <laughs> off and it gave a shitty fucking leg drop. <laughs> all of that how many times has he tried he this just shit, lights a cigarette yeah it's been funny if he burned himself sandman too. in 95 sandman in 1995 
is a sight to see. Because you'll be watching a Sandman match, right? And he's like, oh, it's Sandman. He's just going to bumble around into people with canes. This motherfucker will do like topes over the top rope with the cane in his hand and just smash the guy on the outside. He's flying all over. He's he's hurtling barricades. Like, I don't know what drugs this, this fellow is on, but man, did they make an entertaining wrestler out of it. So. What? But yeah, this all happens. And it- I wonder myself what what would I have seen the Sandman in me? Because I just, when I've saw images of him in the rise and fall of ECW, I'm like, okay, he's one of the faces of the company. He's the only, he won the ECW world title more than anybody else. I'm like, he was probably their top star. I'd like to see a Sandman match. The, the Since one night stand and then took a shitty ECW on sci-fi that WWE took over. San, I realized mm-hmm. Sandman was one of the shittiest wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. Like, one of top five or top ten worst of all time. I've seen Sandman live before on an episode of Raw when he was called to the main roster. And I'm like, this is my mm. piss break because he sucks. And my buddies stayed and watched his whoever he wrestled that night. He was like, bruh, Sandman is fucking garbage. I was like, I tried to tell you guys that. <laughs> you just hyped by him because of his entrance running through the crowd and Drinking a beer, smashing the can on his head, or smashing a Singapore cane on his head. You forgot how shitty he is in the ring. He's like, it's crazy. I think Sandman found his niche. I think that's the thing. Like anywhere else but Philly, I don't think he would have been worth a shit. But people in Philly, they just resonated with that beer drinking, beer belly, you know, smoking, just piece of shit guy. But it was. I think that was the thing. Like he shouldn't be ECW champion, but he is is like I think that was like the appeal of him as a heel, I guess, if I'm trying to rationalize it in my head. But uh yeah, I'm with you. Once he went to WWE and he had like a, a feud with Carlito on Raw, it's like okay, we're yeah. led we're done to, with Sandman at this point. Led to a Singapore cane on a pole match at the Great American Bash. One of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> was it that bad? I remember that match happening. I don't really remember a lot about the match itself. That was as how much I loved that bash pay-per-view, that was the worst thing of the whole night. That's not cool. And I think Carlito won the match. It was made for Sandman to God win, but he was have. so fucking terrible. I think they gave Carlito the win. I watched that pay-per-view yeah, every 4th was, of July. Uh, so, I, yeah, Carlito. And then, but he got his ass kicked with the cane. I thought the intention was whoever grabs that's, it. That's all people come to see. So, yeah. This is fun. This was this was a hell of one. <laughs> but yeah, man, that brings the show to a close. Gangsta's Paradise. Uh, any other thoughts on the show? Anything we didn't cover? Did you want to comment on? I think we covered it all, man. It was like there was a lot of there was good, there was a lot of bad, there was a lot of what ifs, and then like what the fuck. But you got a little bit of everything in this, and I actually enjoyed it. Not bad for an old school ECW before got TV deal type event. Yeah. 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 Like it is a very interesting era for ECW. They're kind of figuring things out. Um, Yeah. They're still working their way towards the late nineties when they would be more of an elite company. But speaking of elite, the world elite podcast, but first of all, Marcus, thank you for uh, making the time to check out a uh, crazy ECW show. Come on and talk about it. Where can everybody find you in the world elite podcast? 
thank you again for bringing me on. This was a fucking blast to do. Uh, World Elite Podcast, we're on Twitter at World Elite Pod. We're on all available platforms where you can get a podcast, whether it's Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Spreaker, iHeartRadio. We have, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube. Our live streams, you can watch from StreamYard. You can watch those anytime on demand on Facebook or on YouTube. But you can find me on Twitter at MarkQuise89 underscore. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Yeah, and you're coming on my show next week. Yeah, SummerSlam 92, right? Yeah, you're doing. You're coming on for SummerSlam 92. That happened 30 years ago. One I've watched before. I'm looking forward to rewatching again. So I have actually never, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this on your show, so I won't get too deep into it. SummerSlam 92. I, I have not seen any like a lot from the early 90s. So I'm I'm like kind of coming into this blind. What, what was like the big match on that show? The big match had to have been Bret Hart and the British Bulldog in the main event for the Intercontinental Championship because it was brother Bret. Oh, that's his- Wembley. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's go. Bret I'm, I'm excited. I haven't looked at the card yet. The only thing bad about that card was there was a lot of dark matches they took off that card that you won't see that that people didn't see on VHS. I'm pretty sure you might see it on Peacock. Like this is gonna be the first time I watch it on Peacock. I, I remember renting this at, at my local yeah, Blockbuster yeah. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and watched it. But uh, I think the WWF champion at the time, I think it was Randy Savage. I don't even remember who he Randy. wrestled. He wasn't in the main event. I'm looking at the card right now. It's it's Macho Man versus Ultimate Warrior. Oh wow! And then I know Undertaker fought Kama. Or Kamala. You fought Kamala. Kamala. Uh, Kamala. That yeah. was the he night. The, Kama a few years later. That was the night the Road Warriors came out in the motorcycles, and that was the first match on the card. But yeah, the main event was the Intercontinental Championship, and British Bulldog won a title in front of his home crowd. And I'm like, that would have been a lot better if it was for the WWF Championship, because that would have been a bigger moment for him. But I get it. You know, Intercontinental titles. I mean, it's technically the North American and South American Championship combined. It's the North yeah you know that combined but i get it but it's uh, to me it should have been the wwf title Bret hart should have been the champion and then what is the difference what is the difference between world and intercontinental like just like grammatically because intercontinental that means throughout all the continents right intercontinental could stand for a continent like it could be known as the north american championship technically down here or but they called it the they have called it the Intercontinental title because they unified the North American and the South American title and called it the Intercontinental title. Like when Japan has the Intercontinental right. IWGP Intercontinental title, they're I guess they're talking about their continent of Asia. Because right. when you when you look at their belt, they don't have like North America and South America or a globe on theirs. So I take it their version is like Japan. I mean, in Asia, where we're more mm. like North America, because you always Man, see on the on intercontinental belts, you'll see Canada, North America, U.S., and Mexico in the in the islands and shit, because that's all North America. Right. That's that's the best description I've heard. Wow, I never really thought of it that way. Uh, wow, we got a lot of good dark matches on this show. You got Papa Shango. Oh, you got the Berserker versus versus. I hope they that match is available on Peacock. I do want to watch that one. It looks interesting. Oh, you got the action figure too of Tatanka. 
Oh man. I got such random action figures, but Tatanka for some reason I just like stumbled upon it. Uh but yeah, you want you want you want to close the podcast out with your best Tatanka impression? Once again, thank you to Marcus from the World Elite Podcast for joining me on today's show covering Gangsta's Paradise 1995. Always a great time with Marquise. Uh, Go check out the World Elite Podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. All their info in the description below. Apronbump.com for all my full episodes. All my shit's there as well. Give the podcast a rating, a review, like the video, subscribe to it. Suck me off, pull my scrotum back and call me a little bitch. Do it all or none of it. So or some of it. Um, Those are the options. So uh, that's about all daddy has for you today. I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't I still don't know. Like you see these like little these little strings on this thing on this kendo stick. I don't know if you're supposed to untie them. You know what I mean? Because when you hit cause me in the softest part of the ring, well, she hit me with it. Um, don't ask any questions, but I, I made her hit me with it because uh, I'm a bad boy. Uh, but it hurt. Like you, you watch a WWE match and they're just swinging this shit with like one hand and they're just like, oh, but like over and over again. So either they just are incredibly tough and more tough than I am, uh, which very well may be the case. Or I'm just doing something wrong. Or I got the wrong kendo stick. Are there different types? Are there different types of kendo sticks? Call in if you know. Uh, I could start a whole sub podcast on kendo sticks. Uh, not because it's like a sub to this podcast. It's because I'm a submissive little. I don't know why that's the theme of this part of the. I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. Big smooches all around. I just hit my headphones. I'm hard. Yeah. It's a hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Trip you off the ground, show you what hard is. Stand strong and proud of it. And I guess let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Trip you off the ground, show you what hard is. Stand strong and proud of it. And I guess let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling.